Welcome to the Diverse Minds Podcast, where we give you the tips, tools, and techniques you need to be a mentally healthy and inclusive leader. Each week, you'll hear about a variety of topics linked to mental health, well-being, and diversity that will enhance both your professional practice and personal well-being. Welcome to the 102nd episode of the award-winning Diverse Minds Podcast. And on today's episode, I'm going to be talking about tone policing at work, what it means, its impacts, and how to call it out. Earlier last week, I saw a tweet from the journalist Fatiha Begum asking if anyone had been a recipient of tone policing in the workplace for an article in Metro. And I thought, yes, me, I have. And it's really inspired this episode. As this month's theme is enabling South Asian women to shine for South Asian Heritage Month, I thought this fits the topic perfectly. Tone policing, also sometimes known as tone trolling, tone argument and tone fallacy, is a kind of microaggression, which is where someone with more systemic power or advantage feels compelled to silence someone from a less powerful background during a conversational exchange. At its center, it criticizes or humiliates a person for expressing emotion related to something that impacts them or something they feel passionately about. Tone policing detracts from the truth and discomfort by attacking the tone in which it was presented rather than the message itself. Think about what I call the infamous example where the now disgraced Matt Hancock had the audacity to tone police Dr. Rosina Alin Khan, MP for Tooting. Dr. Alin Khan is an A&E doctor who was asking the, about the government's failure to test frontline workers for COVID during health questions. The ever so fragile Matt Hancock just denied her claims that a lack of testing was costing lives and told her to take a leaf out of the Shadow Secretary of State's book in terms of tone. Hancock's comment and his tone did raise concerns about the everyday sexism women face and mansplaining. Dr. Alan Khan's response, of course, resonated with many of us, in particularly global majority women of colour who have been silenced in similar ways and are policed in the public sphere and at work by men for too long. We are often called aggressive when we simply want to get our point across, be direct, passionate or dare to challenge. In response, Dr. Alin Khan said, I was very courteous in my delivery. If Matt Hancock found it difficult, that's on him. Addressing the fact that lives could have been saved and families' hearts might not have been broken had we got on top of testing earlier. These are legitimate questions that people all across the country have. I was very polite. He didn't like the content, so instead felt it easier to make a derogatory comment towards me. So if you're a manager listening to this or a leader or a team member striving to create workplace based on equity and inclusion, you must understand how tone policing silences members of underrepresented groups and allows discrimination and pervasive implicit isms to persist. I've experienced tone policing a lot when I worked in a quote unquote normal workplace. And the general consensus of many I worked with is that if only I'd conveyed the message in a different way, I would have done a more effective job at getting my message across to support the projects I wanted to get off the ground. No surprises. This was a consistent theme when I worked at the University of Oxford, that if I modified my message to be more factual and data focused, then my message would be better received. I think several people were probably thinking, well, silently inside, you're not white, no one's ever going to really hear you with an inward eye roll. And in terms of Janice Gassim Asar, PhD, in a piece for Business Insider about tone policing, she says, tone policing demonstrates that people will dismiss your experiences unless it fits in the box of how they want to receive it. So tone policing is a tactic used by those who have privilege to silence the ones who do not by focusing on the tone of what's being said 
rather than the actual content. It is used to silence, derail or disengage from a conversation by controlling the people participating and the conditions under which the conversation is happening. And we see this happening globally to feminists, to student protesters, people from different caste systems in poverty, LGBTQIA plus groups and activists and various other activists are often told to be civil. Tone policing hinges on the idea that emotion and reason cannot coexist. So there's this whole thing around reasonable discussions must be without emotion, phrases like take the emotion out of it and emotions are wrong. But of course, when you're tone policing someone, what you're actually doing is saying to them that your feelings as a person policing matter more than their lived experience, what they care about, what they want to be equalized in the workplace and beyond. So someone's argument does not suddenly evaporate or become less valid if they have emotion into it. We are all emotional beings. We are not robots. And some people's emotions are much more inward and some people's emotions are much more outward. And when you're tone policing someone, you're actively derailing the conversation and you're being compliant in this perpetuating of systemic advantage. And we all have to look at the kind of advantages that we have and make sure that we amplify the voices of people who are marginalized or less represented in the room. So tone policing can sound like this. Oh, I wish you would say that in a nicer way. You don't need to shout or bark. You can say it in a civil way. Your language, it's so strong. Um, this isn't the time or place for you to express your emotions. Please, I would suggest you don't use that tone. You'd have a lot more people on your side if you did X, Y, Z, weren't so rude, had more data, made sure that you went and got everyone's consensus before the meeting, things like that. So tone policing genders emotions and reinforces stereotypes like women should be soft-spoken and men cannot be emotional. So that whole thing around toxic masculinity and how women must be demure or behave in a certain way. Add to this the perceptions and stereotypes of global majority women of color, where Southeast Asian women and Southeast and South Asian women are expected to behave in a certain way. The absolutely nonsensical stereotypes around black women and aggression, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it suppresses the voices of marginalized underrepresented groups and makes them feel like that anger caused by the injustice and oppression is invalid, that they're crazy, that they're too emotional, that they just need to take a deep breath. It's not that bad. It preserves the privilege of people who want to avoid conversations that make them feel uncomfortable. So we often talk about white privilege but it could also be non-disabled privilege. It could also be male privilege. It could be heterosexual privilege, any kind of privilege that happens and a combination of all of the above about power and dominance. It could, of course, cover things like parenthood, not being a parent, biological parenthood, adoption, etc. Tone policing prevents you or the person doing it from acknowledging mistakes, educating themselves and uplifting others. So in essence, it perpetuates this uh, power trip and power dynamic. So if you're serious about addressing racism or any kind of isms at work and really want to ensure a systemic shift, it's essential to address tone policing and ensure those with systemic power are aware of this and not perpetuating these microaggressions. So I really hope you're enjoying the content of this podcast and want to keep up to date with my work then please join my free bi-monthly newsletter. By joining my mailing list, you'll receive a copy of my ebook, The Mentally Healthy Leading Manager, and the link is in the show notes. Okay, so what can you actually do about this? And how do we make sure that tone policing isn't something that goes unrecognized? 
Firstly, it's to say emotions are absolutely fine, normal, and part of being human. Even facts and figures are shaped by emotion about what we feel is right, how we interpret data, and which parts of the data we want to shine a light on. We are not robots, and it's really important to realize that. Secondly, acknowledge inequity and inequality and how people who have different lived experiences to you may feel. We may not understand it. We may not agree with it, but it's really important that we try and sit across the table from them, look into their eyes and engage with them and understand what that might feel like. Due to systemic injustices, some topics, I'm afraid, don't have two sides, like the abhorrent racist abuse Sancho, Rashford and Sakafe had to endure following the Euro 2020. It's vile. And quite frankly, there are no two ways about it. And anyone who is angry and devastated about the horrific abuse they received online, the defacing of a mural, has a right to feel this way. And this can be applied to sexual crimes, homophobia, transphobia, Islamophobia, anti-Semitism, etc. So remember that there aren't always two sides to every story and some things break the law and they're in the law for a reason and it's it's vital to say in your head worst case scenario if you don't understand it you can keep quiet and appreciate that this is very painful for other people workplace conversations often the thinking is okay it's all about the outcomes and the goals and the focus you know we're going to have a quick 30 minutes bing bang bosh get it done now if you can do that about something's fantastic but as i said we are not robots and often the point of discussions at work um, is to put views across and understand what's more or less workable and ideally supporting everyone to be their best selves at work so yes you have the agenda you've got things that you've got to go through but it is always worth checking in to see how people are feeling because that will help the empathy that will help the understanding it will help have better to conversations and tone policing is less likely to occur if you understand your mindset around it. I think tone policing and gaslighting are often very happy bedfellows, making the person who's doing the challenging feel like they're crazy, irrational, and the only one who has a particular view. So it's much better to take that time to respond and consider where someone may be coming from. And essentially, if you don't understand, pause and use that time, whether it's a micro pause or a slightly longer time that you want to take for self-reflection. And ask yourself questions about why am I irritated that this person is bringing up this issue? So in the case of Matt Hancock and Rosina, Dr. Rosina Eileen Khan, I think really, I mean, this is politics, which has a whole different edge to it. Um, and of course, debating in uh, in the House of Commons is different, I think, to most of our workplaces. But there are ways you could take a step back and say, oh, I just would like to consider your viewpoint or, oh, that's really interesting. Maybe I need to go away and reflect on what you've said. And ask yourself these questions. Why am I irritated? Why am I frustrated with an argument or, or, or something about, about what someone said? You could also say to yourself, if someone close to me said something, would this irritate me? Would I feel the same way? And maybe that doesn't change the outcome. Maybe you're not going to feel less irritated, but it's about then how you have a dialogue as opposed to tone policing someone. If the language is making you feel like you don't understand something, you know, people communicate in different ways. There's always lots around how different generations communicate. I think it's okay to say to someone, I just want to make sure I understand what I understand by what you said is this. Is that correct? Is there anything I've missed out, misunderstood? Because you don't need to tone police then. You're asking open questions to support your understanding and to aid that person in explaining further. And if you overhear someone else questioning delivery instead of content and attacking emotions, you can try and ask them to clarify their point and not attack the way the other person said it. 
Name tone policing when you see it. Uh, that again, that phrase might not be something that someone's used to, but to say, oh, it's really interesting that you're that it's the way in which it's said that's bothering you more than what's being said. And it's again, this is a way to help people elevate their voices who don't get their voices to be heard at work and beyond. Create a culture you know, within your team, in your department. And if you're a senior leader, create a culture where you work, uh, where expressing difficult emotions is normalized. Uh, now, this isn't an overnight thing. It might be that you have to go through a process of doing that. But I think if you do do that, it can be super useful for everyone in the workplace. And if you are listening to this and you identify as being global majority, a person of color, black diaspora community, if it's not too painful for you, maybe reflect on the times where you've been tone policed. And what were you, you would have loved to said no holds barred and think about what are the ways you could have communicated that that maybe would have helped that person to understand and we shouldn't have to do this but there are ways in which you can create a support network as well think about who could be your allies in this um, and potentially send people articles it isn't our job to educate people I totally hear that but maybe if someone's on the cusp and they don't understand the impact of what they've done and it's not a regular occurrence could there be something that would make them realize what they've done and the impact that it had on you and it has on other people and for the people trying to, you know, who lean into tone policing more, please don't expect people to react the way you do. So many people tell me in training sessions that they didn't grow up in environments where they processed emotions and talk about emotions and talked about how they felt. And those of us who grew up in households where this was fine. So some of you may have heard me say, you know, in my slice of South Asian culture that people shout at each other, they cry. And then they say, do you want a cup of tea? Um, <laughs> and then people sit down. They're not always happy. I'm not saying it's happy ever after, but they will have that cup of tea and a snack. And it's for me, it's much better than repression. And strong emotions are just what, you know, what happens. So we will all express ourselves differently. And one way isn't better than another. But I think it's understanding how we want to communicate about emotions because keeping it down and then it coming out in this passive aggressive way is really, really toxic. So tone policing is a microaggression. It puts a burden on someone without systemic power to act and be a certain way that isn't really them. And it, it silences them and stops them expressing themselves and actually improving the workplace. It is about wanting to ignore discomfort. So that's where the tone policing comes from. And to feel that some people have the intellectual high ground because they're not you know, putting the emotion into it. Listening is a really important part to reversing tone policing. So please do check out episode 97, The Art of Listening to Support Someone, which is all about active listening. And remember, people show emotions because they feel strongly about an issue and want to express themselves. So what are the ways in which you can create empathy and have dialogue and discussion before focusing simply on the goals? So I really hope you found this useful. And if you want to know more about my power hours, if you want to talk about anything that I can help you with, do check out my website, diverseminds.co.uk. And I've also included the following resources in the show notes. So Feminism India's really great blog about why tone policing is wrong. Everyday Feminism's a brilliant cartoon, sort of comic strip, tone policing and privilege. And Business Insider article, tone policing is a little known microaggression that's common in the workplace. Here's how to identify it. And if you enjoyed this episode, why not leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and let everyone know what you found useful about the show and the podcast. And I will see you in the next episode where we're going to be talking about colorism and shadism. And until then, take care. Thanks for listening to the Diverse Minds podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you access your podcasts from. You can also connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. 
Tune in to next week's episode of the podcast, where I'll bring you more insights on mental health and inclusion. Bye for now.